Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind Mapco at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542. 6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Did you serve in the military? If so, you can obtain a free lifetime pass to more than 2,000 federal recreation sites. These sites are located across more than 400 million acres of public lands, including national parks, wildlife refuges, and forests. The lands host activities to fit any lifestyle, hiking, biking, fishing, camping, and much more. Gold Star families are also eligible for these free lifetime passes. Plus, they cover entrance fees for a driver and all passengers in a car, or up to three additional adults at sites that charge per person. Obtaining one is easy. Just go to the National Park Service website, nps.gov, or the National Park Service app. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with the Misfit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they, too, can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you're a veteran, first responder, or Gold Star family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. We're here live in New Jersey with Tom the Torch LaMonica, our dad, our, our Goomba here. Mm-hmm. We just had a good lunch at the Mud Hole, and now we're going to ask him some questions about uh, his childhood. So first, uh, tell us a little more about Nanny and Little Poppy when you were growing up in the 40s and 50s and how things were in the 40s and 50s. Huh. Well, 
remember Hopkins Avenue, 56 Hopkins Avenue. That's where we first lived. I lived there for eight years. We lived on the first floor. And I remember we'd sit in the phone and listen to the radio. And it was on a slant. I know it was on a slant because it had marble. If you put the marble down, it would roll downhill <laughs> the other end. And there was always a different kind of smell there. And I wonder what it was. The smell was because the basement was dirt. So the house was built on dirt. There's no uh, concrete. We lived there until uh, 1948. I was eight years old. We moved to Jepson Avenue, where they bought a house. And day of closing, I was given an envelope and I had to carry the money to the uh, realtor and a lawyer. The house was $8,000, which was unheard of then. A lot of money. And so I carried the $8,000 to pay for the house. And then, of course, I had to pay the mortgage after that. They faded off pretty quick because both didn't work. Father worked for Armour's Meatpacking. And my mother worked for Muller's Macaroni. And she eventually switched to nights. She was working days. She worked the nights. And then my father wound up getting sick. And I guess was 14 and then when I was 15, they were told, uh, you don't lose a lung, you have to take a lung out. And that's 1955 and it was unheard of. I remember the doctor, his name was White. Dr. White was very famous. He did the operation on uh, the president, Eisenhower, years later. Anyway, I was told you have to get a job now. You're 15, your father's gonna get this operation. And a year from now, when you're 16, you're gonna have to quit high school and get a full-time job. So I prepared for that. I started working, setting up bowling pins in a bowling alley. They weren't automatic then. Everything was done by hand. I had to work to 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. And I get up and go to school in the morning. And year went by pretty quick. My father seemed okay. 16 years old I was and he was doing great. He got a job with the Jersey City Board of Education and uh, he worked as a laborer with them. They repaired fences at the different ballparks and high school field and well he did that for quite a while until uh, he was transferred into schools and he was the uh, buff on the floor and the buffer hit a wet spot and flipped him up in the air and broke he broke his collarbone. Wow. And I went to the hospital to be there with him and he was in a lot of pain. The doctor explained to me it's a very painful thing to have a busted collarbone. So he got out of that and uh, that's when he decided to retire. My mother was still working with the board of ed. She was uh, a cleaning lady and something else. I forget what they called them then. They had a title. And I graduated, went to service, come out of the service, got a job with public service. 
So because of that accident, they go to bed, lost the case, and they owed my father $12,000. Imagine that. Wow. That's more than the price of the house. <laughs> so the lawyers for the board of ed said, okay, we're going to send 3000 now, and then 3000 every six months, because we're afraid if we send all at once, he'll run away and leave your mother. So at the time while I was working for service, I went down and I met Mayor, who is sort of a treasurer with the Board of Ed. And I told him who I was, but I worked for public service and I, I wanted a full check for my father. And she said, okay, Mr. Lamonica, I'll be right back. He gave me a full check. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it was good to know people back then, you know, you know, to get connections like that. That was a little later. It was uh, after you came home from the Army with yeah. public service, right? Yeah. There, so. yeah. So how was uh, you went to Dickinson High School as well? Yeah, didn't you? Dickinson High School. Tell well, us about that back then. I, I thought it was the best school in the city. <clears throat> Probably still is, but nobody will say that. But uh, it's falling apart now, which is a shame. But uh, I could have been on the honor roll every year or every semester or whatever you want to call it. But there was days I didn't want to go. I wanted to go to see the rodeo. So I went to the rodeo. You know, I wanted to see the St. Patrick's Day Parade. I said, let's go. Let's go to St. Patrick's Day Parade. That's what I did. <laughs> I failed a couple of subjects, but I still graduated on time, 1958, June. I was 18 years old. Were there, uh, when you were in school, like now there's, you know, there's gangs and stuff now and there's cliques. Was there cliques there and things cliques. back then? Yeah, there was cliques. There, it was more or less neighborhood things that, like there was, like uh, the Marion section probably isn't anymore, but there used to be all Italians. And, and uh, if you were from a height side, it was a whole different group. Jersey City Heights, I mean, you know, it was, it was separated according to sections that you were in. Journal Square, Marion, Greenville. Yet. Yeah, that's names, though. Didn't have many names like uh, later on, like Black Panthers, groups like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone started having names, and then, uh, yeah, the influences from outside the city coming in as well. Yeah, that was a big one. How many was there? All the high schools that are there now, were they all operating at that time, too? Like Lincoln, Ferris, yes. and all that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of rivalries even back a lot then. Of competition with football and all these sports. And you you were you were able to run, but uh, Nanny used to make you or told you you couldn't run, right? Right, that was the thing. I made the track team, and I brought the papers home. I got an interview from a coach from Villanova, and she called my cousin, who was a nurse, the head nurse in some hospital, and she said, uh, and and Josephine, it stimulates the heart, which of course is a good thing, but my mother thought it was a bad thing when it hurt the heart, so she wouldn't sign the paper, and I never completed going on the track team. Uh, what would have been? Couldn't get stimulated. <laughs> yeah, couldn't get stimulated. <laughs> what do you think of the biggest issues back then were for you guys in high school? It was, you know, there was no like race riots or race anything. I mean, uh, people were just people. It wasn't, uh, oh, there's a black guy, oh, there's a whatever, Polish guy. Everybody just seemed the same. And all of a sudden they started issuing names to everybody, you know, like, uh, oh, I was a crazy Italian kid. Or, you know, I think that would have 
and yeah, that was towards the end before graduation. But before that, there wasn't. It was just anybody from the neighborhood, but from your high school. Oh, well, I don't know what changed it. Change for the worse, change for the better. I don't know. Oh, I think uh, labeling everything kind of made it easier to pinpoint stuff and cause issues than it yeah. was just uh, this guy and this guy had a fight or this girl and this girl had yeah. a fight. So you said you worked as a doing the bowling alley when you were 15, 16. Did you have any other jobs in high school? Oh, yeah. I started out as a dishwasher in Moore's. Oh. I got promoted from the kitchen. I had been from the dishwasher to the kitchen. And with cleaning out the kitchen and setting up the makeup. And they told me how to make pies. I made apple pies. I made uh, pumpkin pies. In fact, for Thanksgiving, we made 300 of them. And I had scars. I had eight burns on my arm because we didn't wear long gloves. And the pies were inside the ovens. And I'd have to stand on a stool to reach all the way in the ovens because I was short. And I'd burn my arm every time I went in to get pies. <laughs> and OSHA wasn't a thing back then. No. <laughs> but I made 87 cents an hour. Woo. And the girls were only making 85 cents an hour. Oh, wow. Because, you know, the girls were, I don't know. <laughs> different rules for each. Yeah. <laughs> different time back then, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, after high school, you joined the Army. Yeah, well, not long left. The manager of Woolworths wrote a letter saying that I was a sous chef, which means I, you know, helped out in the kitchen, and I would make an excellent cook. <laughs> so I brought that into the army, and after when we got down to Texas, well, they made us sing the Yellow Rose of Texas, because that's what sergeants do weird things. <laughs> <laughs> and they said. All right, we're going to start going for jobs or testing you. And he said, Well, I have a letter. And I said, Oh, great. What's the letter? And I read the letter, put it inside, read it. And I said, Okay. So I, and they gave me a job driving a tank. So that was it. <laughs> just <laughs> like a sous chef. Driving a tank. <laughs> and ben, when your generation, a lot of a lot of young men joined out of uh, patriotism or the, the feeling that you had to, you should serve your country at that time. Oh, yeah. Was that why you joined? Yeah, I, well, I couldn't find a job, and you know they did talk about love, oh, service. You'll get a good job when you come out. So I went over and I said, well, "What do we got to do?" And the woman explained to me. I think I, I can't think of her name, but she said, "You can boost your draft. They can you can send a note saying yes, you want to get drafted, and they'll draft you. So you only have to go in for two years if you uh, just sit back and go in. Then you got to go in for a minimum of three years. So try it too." If you like it, you can always re-enlist and stay in longer. So I did that. I boosted my draft. I got a letter from the president, Eisenhower, saying you have been drafted. Wow. <laughs> Wherever that is. I was going to say, I wonder if Nanny kept that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what so you, you started in Texas in the Army. And where else do you go with the, with the Army? Well, just from there straight to Germany. Germany for... 18 months, and I came back, went to Fort Hamilton in Brooklyn, and uh, I was there for two or three days. They gave me my discharge, and I 
didn't read it there. When I went home, I read it, and I was discharged early for overseas duty because of overseas duty. It was early discharge was like seven days early. So it was a big deal they gave me. Plus they gave me a month and a half pay of pay because I had a, a guy that worked the books. <laughs> give us the extra pay. It's always good to have friends, like you said earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was surprised. <laughs> oh yeah, he has uh, two weeks leave coming plus another you know monthly pay. Nice walk out the cash in your pocket. <laughs> and feel like you're wealthy for a little bit. Yeah. So you came back home back to Jersey City, uh and how long after that did you you meet the love of your life? Uh it's really that long. I guess about a year later. I'm not, I'm not really going. And uh, there was a political party, and my mother asked me to go just to get for the people to get to know me. And I was going with this guy, Jim Cosman, and she said, We should have girls with us. I said, All right. So she said, Why don't you take my cousin? I'll go with so and so. And we went. And that's the first date we actually had <laughs> going to a political event. You guys actually grew up not far from each other. Uh, you were on Jefferson Street. Blocks, you, yeah, yeah, right blocks. Never knew each other. Never knew each other. That's wild. <laughs> that That is crazy. Living that close. And that just shows you the city life, how crazy, yeah. busy the city can be. You might yeah, not know yeah, someone. I raised on Jefferson, but hung out on Waverly. And she lived at Waverly and Baldwin. Never saw her. Wow. And uh, of course, we we know that you got married uh, not long, uh, what, 62, right? 62? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 62, you guys got married, uh, had Tom, Michelle, and waited a few years. Then you had the, had Steve, and then you had the best one, me, in the 70s. <laughs> uh, but in that time, you guys went through a lot. I mean, you, Vietnam started, so a lot of your friends were going to Vietnam, of course. A lot of family was going to Vietnam. Coming back screwed up. You've seen the the world change from, the, from the, when you were a boy listening to the TV, uh, listening to news on the radio. Then the fifties got some TVs and stuff, and then of course now we all have TVs in every room. Yeah. What have you seen? I mean, you've seen more than most people in your eighty years of life. Have you seen the, any changes for the good, not just the bad stuff, just the other good stuff that has had to happen? Yeah, I guess I've seen that. Well, there's more opportunities for people if they want them. I mean, it's out there. Where I I felt restricted because uh, there was prejudice. I uh, asked the guy who was my boss and I told him, I says, I just got a letter from government that qualified that they'll pay my college. Oh, okay. I'm head of uh, the labor department. Uh, even though he worked public service, he ran the uh, labor department at St. Peter's College. So I went there. Monday, Monday night, with him. Went to three different professors who all said, No, we can't take you this year, you know, come back some other time. And winds up there all Irish, and he was Irish. I found out that's what it was. Uh, it was all prejudice. They were keeping the Italian kid out. Wow. But things like that, I guess that's normal. It's, it changed now because they can't get away with it now. <laughs> right. You can't outwardly do it now. Yeah. 
It's a lot different. Yeah. That hurt. I came back. I wrote. I wrote a letter to the uh, Jersey Journal, and uh, they they printed it. And uh, but no, nothing happened. And it was a contest about why you wouldn't want to be in a service with Joe Namath. And I I wrote a letter saying I wouldn't want to be in with him because he's always complaining. He's got bad knees, bad legs. How can I depend on him if I'm in combat? Because he's going to say, oh, I can't play today. <laughs> no, he's no way. And I got the uh, second prize. Wow. Yeah. One of the so first prize route. <laughs> and technology, obviously, is advanced. Oh, when, when you oh, were a kid that, listening to news on the radio, everyone huddling around, I guess it was like a big box, kind of like the... Yeah, we would sit around when I was a kid, me, my sister, and just, uh, the shadow. Shadow. shadow knows on the radio <laughs> and uh the shadow was I forget that there was like two or three oh dick tracy he was on the radio too oh wow and back the phone numbers back then it wasn't like you had to say like a name of a street and a number or something back then or early days it was uh, at journal the different ones were swathmore journal square <laughs> oldfield that was jersey city ones those three it might have been in Melon, but I don't remember. You remember yours when you were a kid? Yeah. Uh, not old six or one seven eight, something like that. It was wow. <laughs> and then you know, of course, it went to the the long cord on the wall, where the rotary dial, then the long cord yeah. on the wall, the press yeah. buttons, and now, I mean, we're we're videoing off my phone right now, and you have a. You have what we call the legacy phone right there, the, the flip phone on your desk, on yeah. your table there. So, I mean, this technology has advanced uh, mightily in the time. And of course, kids are much smarter now because they're able to reach out and just grab information now. Oh, yeah. Those Sometimes who, it's, it's too much. Right. It's over overwhelming, I think, for some of them. Right now. Yes, I definitely think so. What are some things you think that uh, us as a society can do now to make our society better again? Uh, so we talk to each other instead of fight over everything yeah. and maybe settle things differently. Definitely. Well, you know, I always felt volunteering helped everybody. I mean, I volunteered with the Scouts over 20 years and I mean, I talk about it now and I sometimes brag about myself, but back then I never even mentioned it. It just did because I wanted to do it. There was kids that could never go uh, Boston or to uh, Washington D.C. because each time you went, you it was a deal where the kid would have to sell at least thirty dollars worth of candy, and that's two trips. That's sixty dollars if he had the two trips. <laughs> but I figured out a way. We don't have to do that. We volunteer. We have dances. We, you know, work. Get the money, and the kids go for nothing. You know, it worked. If I helped one, I helped two or three. I helped a lot of them. I helped three. That's what you got to do. You got to help one another. That's how you make a better society. Yeah, I think we just talked about that on the way to lunch. You were talking about the the couple that bought you and mom hot dogs. Yeah. Paying it forward yeah, no, and helping yes, someone else. That's that the greatest would, thing. And yes. you paid the next person. Pay it forward. Yeah. I think that's and you also I mean you you put on the fifties dance every year for most of my childhood. Total I believe. Years. Yeah, it was a yeah, long time. Remember that. We made the money. And it all started out with uh, well, Mark, when Mark got hurt. Yep. 
Mark Slarno. And and Monsignor said, well, the most we ever made was one or two grand. I said, no, we're going to make more than that. And we did. I, I went. I forget where I went. Anyway, your mother and uh, Frankie Hughes lifted the barrels of beer and tapped them. And the week of me, I got to lift barrels of beer. She was very upset over that. But that was on a Saturday. Sunday, we felt dead from all the work. But we walked over to their house and gave them a cash envelope with over $3,000 in it. It was never done before at St. John's. Wow. And he, the Monsignor called me in and said, you know, you're a pillar of church. And that felt good too. And I think that's a difference back then too. The the parish priest would, he would actually go to like commuters bar with you guys and have a beer with you guys. Oh, and yeah. Monsignor, Father yeah. Toot. And all well, that's what your grandmother said, Tommy, you know, some people get a priest to go to their father or mother's wake. You got a Monsignor. How'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, talk to him all the time. I says, it's not that he's you know, scared of me, like people are afraid of priests, people are afraid. I was never afraid of a priest, never. In fact, he invited me, to, him and Carmen Montleone used to go to the track once a week. They invited me to go. I mean, nobody ever knew he was a priest or a Monsignor because we wore a sweatshirt. Right. You know? And was that the same Montleone from the bakery? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Carmen knows the, the son. He owned it. He was the owner. Oh, that Montleone's a... Sadly, just closed now this year, yeah, 2023. Yeah, after many, many, many years, years of service, years. Years. lots of baking and lots of serving many different people's communions, uh, confirmations, weddings, and such like that. But also, in your time, music has changed completely, oh, uh, yeah. entertainment has changed. What is your all time favorite artist as far as musician? Well, I still listen every once in a while to Sinatra. I don't know. That's a good one right there, Frankie's not. Yeah. <laughs> How about your favorite book you ever read? Oh, I used to all of all of Juan Bar's books, top books. Oh man. <laughs> Remember seeing they them in always, the house. <laughs> they, they would some of them were very sad, some of them, but they all had punchlines in them where you had to laugh, you know, and all of a sudden he just stopped and I don't know, I think maybe he wrote six that I remember. Wow. They made a movie out of one of them, uh, Choir Boys, Choir Practice. And uh, I found out through experience that it actually happens that the uh, Jersey City cops used to go under the Skyway and someone would, in their district would pick up beer, someone would pick up food, someone would pick up booze. And they're supposed to be on duty, would have their private little parties and they called it choir practice <laughs> <laughs> and the book was written just like that wow. so he had to either be a cop or know a cop to get to know all this stuff get some inside information yeah uh, what's the favorite place you've ever been to mm. maine maine it's gotta be maine oh my god we loved it me and your mother wanted to stay there it, it's weird we got there at night. We were both beat. And so, of course, let's go find the air conditioner. There's no air conditioner this way. But it wasn't. It was nice and cool. This is in August. Yeah. Woke up in the morning. Your mother says, smell that. Says, you smell the pine and you smell the ocean. 
strawberry i know you like blueberries yeah so she goes outside your mother goes you're not going to believe this look out the window the lady was picking the blueberries off the blueberry tree <laughs> and put them on my oatmeal and bringing it back in out of this world so we uh we came out of there and to right went down by the river and it was just not the river the ocean it was a beautiful shells so your mother went down to pick some of them and we met a woman from boston she says oh to your mother are you a sheller your mother would say what the hell are you talking about <laughs> what's a sheller yeah <laughs> well she became a sheller because we went from there to what they call sand beach and she picked up shells there too now we went through uh the park the uh the hell's the name of it anyway it's uh i think like 12 miles and they said oh it's going to take at least three hours three hours are you crazy and it did it took three hours because it's so beautiful to see and you and finally we got to the to the mountain cadillac mountain and uh, we parked and only had to walk maybe 50 feet or 50 yards i should say to the top we had sandwiches with us and sodas and we sat down and on the other side of this mountain you could see the little town far harbor and how high up we were even though your mother was afraid of heights she couldn't believe how beautiful it looked and his people climbing up the hill he says oh you two made it up here already I said yeah but we, <laughs> we drove but they didn't know that <laughs> yeah we we're sitting there having our sodas and our beer and it was just great next day we went on a boat ride to uh to canada nova scotia you could had slot machines on a boat it was a lot of fun they had a singer on there that he he was such a good singer he brought tears to our eyes the stories he was telling in the songs that he, that he wrote and we finally got back so the next day we're going to get ready to leave and your mother realized she never cashed her paycheck. So I said, let's go in the bank, see if they'll cash it. So we go to the television, says, Bo, you got to see the manager. I can't cash that check. It's too much money. At the time, it was only a few hundred bucks. But So we go to the manager. The manager says, where are you from? We said, New Jersey. He says, well, I was born and raised in Bayonne. Said, what? <laughs> She said, I came up here on vacation with my husband. And we never went home. I said, You're kidding. Because we had already said that. Me and your mother already said we'd love to stay. She looked at me. She said, This is getting too real. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. yeah. That's your favorite place you've ever been to is Maine. Uh, yeah. Oh, it is people weird. were great. 
They walk, one walks up to your mother and says, so how are you doing today? She says, did you hear Sarah's house burned down yesterday? She goes, no, really? Like she told it. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course she did. <laughs> what was your favorite moment in life? Your, your best day? Best day. Had many, sir. Yeah, I had quite a few. I'll tell you, the first day I was standing in church with uh, Butchie, my, my uh, best man, and I looked and I said, oh my God. He goes, what? I said, look how beautiful she looks. <laughs> <laughs> and what church did you guys get married in? St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas, in the Heights. Yeah. Okay. And you live. And you guys worked a lot of different jobs. Uh, I mean, even when you had your public service job, you were working other jobs to try to make sure you well, first Michelle and Tom and uh, mom had everything they needed. What gave you that motivation to make sure they had a better life than maybe you you perceived it could have been, if not? Well, I, wanted, I, I wanted somehow to have enough money in it and not worry about it, you know, but that, I guess it never happens. You always need more. But uh, I talked to my boss and said, you know, I want to get a part time job. Said, well, you know, you do make sure you put the money. Don't blow it on stupid things like partying, put it towards the bills in the house and they got that, then then it's worth it. So started out first loading trucks for Preston trucking. I did that for close to two years. Sometimes work about two thirty in the morning and get up at seven thirty and go back to work for public service. Wow. You were working outside at the time too, right? Public service? Yeah. yeah. And then uh my sister's husband asked me, he says, well, I got a job for you if you want it. It's in Newark. And so I said, with trucks? He said, yeah. So I went out there. And what it was was driving a truck. And I said, uh, I never drove a truck. He said, you drove a tank. It's, it's a little different, though. <laughs> so I became a truck driver for two years, delivering to all the airlines. No, that was a good job. And I met people there that gave me opportunities that I was afraid to take. The first one was a, a manager that had been a truck driver and got the job as the former as the manager and put two kids through college through the benefits program that the house that these people had. And that's what I wanted. I wanted something like that where I could say to kids, okay, you're going to this college, you're going to this college. Don't worry about it, it's paid for. All right, so. Uh, from that, I got a wolf driving the truck and became the uh, night manager. But we worked at the airport. We didn't work before that. We were working out of a uh, motorhome, a trailer in indoor. But the, they moved the office into the airport. And uh, I met a lot of gangsters. <laughs> First, I met Mr. White, who owned White Trucking, very multimillionaire. Offered me and this guy Pat a job on a new place they were building in Canada, showed us the pictures of it, said, you're gonna have to move your family up there. He says, I'll make sure they get all the kids get schooled. And said, this is what I wanted, but it's in Canada. For the world. <laughs> and we were afraid to do it. Me and your mother were both afraid to do it. It would be like starting all over, you know, nobody right. not knowing anybody in, in the middle of nowhere, because this place was in the middle of nowhere. So then the gangsters came up and one says, uh, he says, can I use your copy machine? And he's copying $100 bills and $50 bills. <laughs> and it's Wednesday and I don't get paid to Thursday. This guy's walking around with 
<laughs> Gino Montone. He he was a semi-pro football player, owned a trucking company, and loaded with money. The early teamsters. He says, look, they're shipping these watches. They come in from France. And he said, you just turn your head and they'll disappear. He said, when you go home, in the morning you wake up, there'll be 10 grand in your mailbox. That's what? <laughs> he said, well, you have to take a little tap on the head. I suppose the guy hits me too hard. I'm dead now. You know? <laughs> he says, no. No, I, I, no, I don't want to do that. He said, oh, well. So he, I'll see you tomorrow. He comes back the next day. He said, I got some nice shirts. Right? Oh, Jesus Christ. Next day, I got some nice wigs for your wife. Oh, my God. I mean, your name is. <laughs> Lots of things fall off trust. Yeah. So the watches come in. They're put on United Airlines. Right out of the truck. They're in an igloo. The igloos are sealed. Put it on the platform to United Airlines. United Airlines ship it to Chicago. It gets to Chicago. They open it up. There's nothing in it. <laughs> so the FBI right away comes to us. He's, you know, how to, you know, how to get out, out of here. So we showed him. We showed him how to get onto the airport. Slide it right out of the truck today. No one to this day knows how that watch has got out of that big look because it was sealed. We got there. Wow. <laughs> amazing yeah can you open the bar too the waverly right? oh yeah two years of that uh, i mean that, that had to be some good stories there oh yeah what was the name of the boxer that came in there at that time and uh, made a movie about him oh frankie the Fuller. yeah 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 bobby is who i hung out with his brother but then frankie came over to play ball with us and we play, it's funny we played down by Roosevelt Stadium. There was a field behind it, and he was in uh, right field. And the ball gets by him, and he runs into the. It was like a swamp, and out of and as soon as he got into the swamp, three cars emptied, and all these guys ran in after him. What the hell is this? They were FBI. They were watching him. Thought he was escaping. They thought he was running away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was. He was. They were investigating. Uh, copper that was stolen when he was boxing in Boston and they claimed he had something to do with it. But they never could prove it. But eventually uh, he got gunned down. Fairmont Avenue, yeah, 45. Boom. Wow. He didn't die right away either. He went in the hospital. Then ah. it was another hurricane. His name okay, was. Yeah. That's him, yeah. It was it was bad news. I had Butchie's gun, my partner Butchie. I took it and I sat it the other side of the bar with the hand my hand under the bar while this hurricane was there and talking to me about the neighborhood. Oh, he says you're a friend of Bobby uh, the Pauls, right? Frankie the Pauls, yeah. Oh, he said they're good man. They're, he's playing. He's fighting at the garden this week. That's yeah. So that night, he was with two other guys. They went up to the, the kid across the street, I forget his name, took him in a car around the corner on Prospect Avenue, Prospect and Palisade Avenue. And they found him dead in the car the next day with a shotgun alongside him. They said, oh, he killed himself. And they said, 
I know he didn't kill himself. <laughs> they shot him and put the gun in there and got away with it. Wow. Wow. He owed them money and he refused to pay them. You, you couldn't refuse to pay them. You tell them you work out a deal or something. You don't just spit in their face and say, I'm not paying you. No, huh? Okay. Oh. <laughs> Boom. It was a different time when justice was served a lot differently than uh, you don't make bets you can't cover. Uh-huh. Who's your biggest influence in life? You're the person you always you looked up to and said, I want to be like that person. <laughs> I when I was young, I guess it was my father's friend Goomba Ali. He was he was always happy, <laughs> always pleasing everybody. And he always find a way to you know, make other people happy. He bought me a watch for my confirmation. He was my sponsor. And the tag was in was $86. That was more money than God made. I said, oh my God. He never took the price tag off. <laughs> yeah, your mother thought he was nuts. <laughs> he looked like a bank robber. The bank robber's name was Willie Sutton. Wow. And they took his picture and hung it in a bar. And everybody thought it was Willie Sutton. But it was actually... Al, <laughs> he was Albanian, very loud mouth, but he influenced, he told me a lot of stories, he influenced me a lot, but there was other people that, was, that helped me. If you can get, if you can give advice to your, your granddaughters now that, that this is going to go to really, that they're the ones that spread our family name along, what advice would you give them to keep pushing forward and be successful in life? I'll take it easy. Don't jump. Think before you do anything. I I don't know. Keep a, a motto of some type. Like do your best or something like that. Be your own. Like you believe in something and do it. And you'll make it. Just have confidence in yourself. Awesome. This has been great, Dad. Thank you. For every veteran, there is a story. A story about a calling to serve, to fight for the freedoms of the American people. And every story has a struggle, a sacrifice, and invisible wounds. Warrior Wads programs help veterans recover from PTSD and invisible wounds through exercise, nutrition, and connecting with other veteran leaders. It is estimated that 22 veterans die each day by suicide and another 30 veterans die each day by substance abuse. These are preventable deaths. Warrior Watt is committed to fighting PTSD through fitness, nutrition, and community. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. That's themisfitnation.com. Check out all of our past episodes and get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling.
Cause we are. Fit nation. 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 Fit n